of the brand new year and we are super excited as usual to be back but even more excited because it's a fresh new start in a fresh new year thank god 2020 is gone and now we are in 2021 what show is this again i can't remember it's tv channeling in a whole new year can't tachi can you feel a brand new day can you i, I can feel a brand new day oh my yes. god yeah, 2020 I tried. Can. 2020 tried, Tachi. It tried so hard to to beat us down, uh, to kick us when we were feeling low, to kill us. But yet, like a phoenix, TV channeling still rises. And still I rise. <laughs> still. <laughs> we have I, all sorts of pop culture references. I believe that's what Maya Angelou was talking about the podcast. I think she was referring to us specifically with that very famous poem. And we thank her to this day. It was very kind. Thank you, Maya Angelou. And thank you to the uh, producers of The Wiz for. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, how were you? Happy New Year, Kevin. Oh, happy new year to you, Tachi. I'm just happy again to be on the other side of 2020. Just one of the worst years ever for the country, for the world, uh, for honestly, for me personally, it was, it's just been a dumpster fire that would not be extinguished. You know, I knew this was going to be an interesting year when my house flooded in uh, January of 2020. I said, oh, is this how we're starting? This is what we're doing? But you know what? It <laughs> oh, ended and, the first, and you didn't realize that that was going to be the best part of the year. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> that was, that was, well, you know what? It actually was because I was able, because my house flooded, I had to get the uh, bathroom and kitchen redone, which was the original 1950s bathroom and kitchen. So I got to upgrade it to 2020 and beyond. So, you know, what? it actually ended up working out. Aww. I, I love it when uh, crap turns to, uh, you made lemons out of lemonade. Yeah, that, that's a better way of putting sure that instead did. of using the word cramp. All right. Yeah, thank <laughs> so, you. I am super psyched about our first show in 2021, so let's get right to it. Our good friends at NBC reached out to us, and they asked us to review a brand new show coming to NBC this January. And it is a show starring basically TV royalty, Ted Danson, and it also stars yep. movie royalty, as far as I'm concerned, Holly Hunter. So the show is called Mr. Mayor. So before we review it, let me give you a little bit about it. So when do. So when retired Los Angeles businessman uh, decides to run for mayor of his beloved city, he surprises everyone and wins the seat with great ideas and commitment to the community he optimistically sets out to get to work shaking up city hall all right tachi what Ooh. did you think of nbc's new situation comedy mr mayor I like that you use the full name, Situation Not Comedy. Not sitcom. This is official, Tanya, <laughs> Situation Comedy. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, you well, know, actually, well, I, actually, I get it. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, real quickly, people have actually asked me, like, what is a sit? What is sitcom? What is a sitcom exactly? I'm like, it's it's abbreviation for the term Situation Comedy. Some people actually don't know that. 
Well, because we've come so far away from the time when they actually used to say situation comedy. And as Americans, you know, we have to shorten every damn thing. So it's sitcom. So yeah, it, it's situation comedy people. But before we get to what I thought about this, uh, you forgot to explain that we actually watched two episodes of this. Oh, yes. Thank you. They, they, they provided us with two episodes. And uh, so we watched both of them. We're, we're, we're yes. taking a deep dive. Yes. All right. So what did I think about it? Now, this is the funny thing. It wasn't until I was getting ready to watch the second episode that I feel like this feels like Parks and Rec. And sure enough, who's behind it? Tina Fey, (laughs) of course. And I was only when I looked at, because I didn't look at the credits in the beginning, um, and, and even to down to the theme song, you know how they had really, okay, the days of the epic theme song are gone. Now you're lucky if you get 10 seconds to say whatever you have to say at the beginning in your theme song. So basically there are no words, but it even felt like that same type of very brief musical interlude as the, as the opener just like with Parks and Rec. And I was like, why does this feel like Parks and Rec? And then when I watched the second episode, I said, oh, Tina Fey, that's why. So yeah, Tina Fey is one of the minds behind uh, Mr. Mayor. And, you know, again, it also has a Tina Fey-ish feel because why is she always doing something with local government? Every show she works on has something to do with departments and local government some way, shape, or form. I'm convinced in her past life, she actually wanted to run for the city council and just never got a chance so she said you know what i'll make shows about that so <laughs> that's what it felt like to me um it's it's really interesting so let's uh, i guess talk about um some of the the cast members so ted danson as you said plays mayor neil bremer and he was a wealthy man he still is wealthy um who ran for mayor. So I guess basically in retirement, he got bored, but he explained why he ran for this in uh, that first episode. And she, he has a very rebellious daughter. Okay. Quickly, let me give the backstory about uh, the, uh, about the mayor. So it turns out, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So he has a, a teenage daughter and apparently uh, her mother died uh eight years uh before the show starts and so he actually quit his very successful he apparently was the king of uh of um billboards here in los angeles and so he was made he was very rich and um so once his wife died or the mother of his child died he dropped everything to focus on her and so at, uh, at right before I guess the show starts what happens is his daughter's on the phone with one of her friends saying like oh her father doesn't do anything she doesn't think he knows how to do anything and she talks to him like he is like senile or something and so she doesn't have any memories of him being a dynamic businessman and so uh, as as his daughter basically uh, is telling her friend how her father is like a useless old man um, he sees on the TV that the uh, actual mayor of Los Angeles at the time has just resigned and so they're going to have a special election and so he basically runs to show his daughter that he is not a useless old man and much to everybody's surprise he actually wins it's like i'll show you i will i'll run for mayor that's basically what that was about so holly hunter as you mentioned who is movie royalty uh, plays rp that name rp 
<laughs> yeah, there's a lot like of names Apple. in this particular show. Like even his daughter's name, I can't pronounce. It's like the name of a, of uh, the the Paris airport or something or French or airport. Orly. Orly, Orly yeah. is her name. Yeah. Yes. So Kyla Kennedy plays Orly. Mike Caballon, or is it Caballon? I don't know how you say it. As Tommy, um, Vela Lavelle as Michaela, his um, deputy mayor. Well, she's not the deputy mayor. No, she is RP chief of staff. Because deputy mayor. She's chief of staff. Chief of staff. Thank you. She's chief of staff. So she plays the chief of staff. So that's the cast of characters, the regular cast of characters that you're dealing with. Um, here's the thing. Now, I am all for multiculturalism, diversity and inclusion, and all of that. I'm not for when you make it a big deal like it's not normal. And to me, that's what seems to happen across the episode. That this is, uh, Michaela actually makes a, a statement. Oh, I, I, I already, I wrote about, that quote down because I knew this was coming. Go ahead. Oh, okay, well, read, read it so, so that I have it properly. Wait, 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 let me see. Okay. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Not, I don't know. There's two things that she talks about. Okay, what, what, this which one, one are you talking I, about? Twitter. Okay, Um, I thought that, okay, oh, do the Twitter one because I have the Instagram comment. Go ahead. Okay, okay, you have the Instagram. Okay, well, she said, I can't remember the exact uh, thing, but she said, oh, I can't believe I just said this, or, or he just did this. Multicultural Twitter is going to come for me. Come for me, yes. I mean, I'm sorry, biracial Twitter. Biracial Twitter. Uh, biracial, yeah. Biracial Twitter is going to come for me. Is there a biracial Twitter? I think that was supposed to be the joke, Taji. <laughs> That no, I know. That's the joke. Uh, that's the joke. Is to like kind of a, a bite off of Black Twitter. Black Twitter, but yeah. It, <laughs> that I think that's also the thing because yeah, we'll say well Black Twitter dragged it, but we don't always say well Black Twitter, Black Twitter. You know what I'm saying? So it's not always a a reference to those types of things. And I understand the day and age that we live in. Yes, everything has been very much made about ethnicity. I think it needs to be brought to the forefront. And of course it needs to happen. But do you need to make mention of the fact that you're biracial? Every We start off like that. I, I That's too much to me. Because then you don't see the characters as characters. You see them as biracial or black or Asian. You know what I'm saying? And that's not what we want. We want them to be included in the fabric of whatever the story is. And this is something, this is who they happen to be as well. You know, don't make it about them being acted. That's just my feeling. You could feel totally differently. How do you feel? No, I I, I agree that it, it stood out. I, I remembered that comment. I thought that that was an interesting choice of uh, phrase. I thought it was a, a, a joke. I didn't find it funny, but I thought that was definitely uh, for the joke. Like As if there is a... I've heard people say that there is... I've heard of people say everything Twitter. Like, I've heard them say gay Twitter, lesbian Twitter. There's just... Everybody, everybody is run with the whole... from uh, Of course, the, the originator, of course, of course <laughs> was black, black Twitter. Twitter of and so... Um, all of the uh, the cultural pro- appropriation, so everybody's got their own quote unquote Twitter. Uh, so I I I I I get they were trying to be funny. I I just didn't think it worked. I don't either. I think there were a lot of jokes that did not quite work and fell flat. Now I okay. So before we're talking about this first episode, and I was about to delve into the second one. Do you not want me to do that? Oh, no, we can go back and forth. I'm cool. I'm cool. Go for okay, it. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Because there was another uh, inappropriate thing that came up, and I guess they're trying to make it a joke, but I, 
when he talked about the, the, in the, the second episode was actually, uh, titled, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, what goes about town or something. So he's yes. going around making all of these different appearances at all of these different places. And the big thing, which actually sets up the entire episode is the fact of, uh, opening, I think they were opening another, uh, it was a marijuana. It was, marijuana. They, 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 even something. they even, the joke is like, it's like uh, our 30,000, our 30, uh, third thousand, uh, uh, marijuana dispensary <laughs> marijuana here dispensary. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Which was the joke. Right. Okay. So that was a joke and that's fine. But did you have to, uh, he said, whatever you call it, he said this, 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 and I ignored it until he said Jamaican caviar. Okay. To me, was that necessary to write in there? There's already this trope about Jamaicans and weed and uh, well, okay, I was, I, but you I was actually surprised that, 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 that well, they show the owner of the dispensary and, and they made him Asian. So I'm glad they didn't have like some guy with a Rast with, with dreadlocks and it'd be a Rastafarian opening up one uh, because there's <laughs> a there's a whole thing about the fact that you know the 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 actual money being made from this is basically you know yeah it's not, going, not by black not, people yeah not no. going to the people that are currently in jail for selling the exact same product um, exactly yes exactly so I uh, no I but the whole joke of that was supposed to be that Bobby Monahan's character that his uh he was he wrote the statement that the mayor is 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 saying and that he got it from his church's website about all of the names for drugs so that's supposed to be the joke the joke is that's right, what his church there's... thinks of that's so that's that's not supposed to be what ted danson's character thinks that's what bobby monahan's right. church thinks uh the, the 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 slang terms the kids are using are for marijuana convoluted at best do you see how many layers you have to get through on oh i know you get to i that? know i have it's too many layers yeah i have several <laughs> problems now when you when you mentioned the thing about the uh the chief of staff and uh the racial kind of comment one thing that i thought was uh in the second episode she says uh she's basically doing an instagram story so she's uh telling she's telling her uh followers she was saying um uh, so this is what change looks like. I am the first woman of color without a master's degree to serve as chief of staff. Hashtag progress. So I love that. <laughs> I'm the first woman of color without a master's degree. I actually did laugh at that. No, you know, and the funny thing is, is there's such a modicum of truth because I have these conversations with uh, friends every every day, not every day, but whenever I talk to people, we have especially, you know, uh, coming out of the graduate program at Howard, and we constantly talk about this. When you look at the, you know, there's a, there's that truth there. When you look at the people of color, particularly black women that are in these uh, positions, they have like five and six PhDs, okay. And then everybody else just barely graduated from high school. And it really points to the fact that you have to go above and beyond and be overly credentialed to do these things that don't require all of that education, by the way, just to prove that you are worthy of having it. So, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek in a way. It's, it's hilarious, but it's also tongue in cheek and sadly true. Oh yeah, it, it it absolutely is. I I remember a, an actress. I won't even say her name or go into of the details, but I remember seeing her. She was an actress of color, and she was talking about the fact that she, when she was cast on this uh this television show, and she was talking to one of her co-hosts, and she's like, "So you know, um, 
uh, how did you get into the business? And so she basically said that, oh, well, she was literally at like a car wash and one of the producers saw her and uh, asked her to come in and read. And so now she's on a TV show. Whereas the, the other, the black actress who, actress who was asking the question, she like, she went to Juilliard and she went, I mean, she had, she had credentials up the yin yang. She did summer stock. She did all these different things to get this. This was her first big TV show. And this other girl, it was her first big TV show. And literally she was pulled off the street you see that (laughs) (laughs) so she was not happy (laughs) no needless to say because you do all of the and by the way you know you're not doing this uh for free meaning you're paying to get all these degrees and do all these things so and you may not she's very lucky that she got a first big tv show because there are a lot of actresses who never do they go to juilliard they go to the yale conservatory and all those things and they still do not get these big plump roles that will help them pay back that yale money help them pay back that juilliard uh loan that they took out so you know it's it's uh that's a whole other conversation i'm sorry this is not last weekly Let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So uh, you don't know, last weekly is Kevin's other show. (laughs) (laughs) Another podcast. uh, Like and subscribe. All right. So, um, (laughs) now one of the things that I actually, where I did laugh is at the beginning, Ted Danson is having his very first press conference and, um, uh, people are asking the question. So, you know, uh, how, um, how do you feel about being mayor and everything like that? And like, what's your story? And so he basically says, in 1976, I followed a girl to California. Classic L.A. story. She wanted to be an actress, but didn't make it. She was killed by the Night Stalker. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the way he said it, it was kind of offhand. It was, it like, was, yeah, that was that's why it was funny. Just like, oh, you know <laughs> Cause like, oh, because classic LA story. She wanted to be a, she wanted to be an actress, but didn't make it. Oh, she was murdered. I just like, oh my god. And so, supposing he said, he said, um, but in my attempts to find her, I stumbled upon a billboard advertising business, and that's the rest is history. And now he is the mayor of Los Angeles. He loves LA. Now, one thing I will talk about, I don't know how you feel about things that are like farcical, that you just kind of go above and beyond with the comedy. I, um, okay, one of the things that they basically talk about is in this universe, and I'm going to refer to it that way throughout this review. In this universe, uh, there's also a COVID outbreak. It's 2020, yes. and there was a COVID outbreak in that Los Angeles. But one of the the, the thing that makes the 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 uh, the, the mayor of uh, Los Angeles, uh, who was a Hispanic man, makes him crack and he can't handle it anymore, is when he uh, he's in the middle of a press conference talking about COVID 19. When one of his staffers says to him, uh, "Sir, we just got this in the murder hornets that were found uh, <laughs> uh, in uh, in our city turned out to be." tiny North Korean fighter pilots. And he goes, that's it. I'm done. And he leaves. (laughs) I resign. He goes, you beat me 2020. And so that is just too much for me. The idea. So they're tiny, tiny fighter pilots. So that's like, that is like science fiction or something. So there's so many moments that are just so far out, like cartoony. At one point we, we mentioned the marijuana dispensary. So, when Ted Danson uh, leaves the marijuana dispensary, the owner of the marijuana dispensary 
gives him some edibles, some uh, some little teddy bears that have gummy marijuana bears. in them. Gummy bears. Yes. So uh, yeah, so so uh, Ted Danson is bored because he basically has a whole day of going to all these different events. He's uh, the uh, Meatless Monday event at some uh, elementary school. He's got to go to an opening of a community center, and so he basically uh, uh, eats a couple of these edibles to basically make the day go by smoother. But it does not go smoothly. It goes horribly wrong because the uh, the joke is he thinks marijuana is like it was when he was a kid and he's an older gentleman and so the marijuana of today was like oh no 2020 2021 <laughs> marijuana is not the 1977 stuff that you were doing in the back of your friend's van this is a complete this is a bold new <laughs> marijuana world and so that was the, organically grown <laughs> it, it organically grown uh so anyway and so the there's this whole scene where when he goes to open this community center he um, is starting to get paranoid and all of a sudden uh, a, a guy dressed as uh, the L.A. Kings um, uh, hockey team mascot, which is a lion, comes running out with a, a giant pair of scissors, you know, to cut the ribbon. And uh, and Ted Danson freaks out and he goes, uh, this lion is trying to kill me and he's got two swords, which is the giant scissors. And so he starts punching him. He, he uh, knees him in the groin and then he throws a trash can at his head and runs off. And then they go to the next event. And it's like, wait a minute, you don't go to another event. And there's press there taking pictures. So that it's it's so farcical that A, that could even happen. But B, after that happens, we take you to the next photo op where you do something even crazier still. You push over a disabled man who's been injured. And just I mean, it was just so far, like, cartoony and silly. I just, I... I'm like, what are you going for? And and maybe this is too much to say at this point. I know how long we're going to talk about this, but I just felt like there could have been an actual good show at the core of this idea. If you take somebody who is a somebody who actually does love the city, who isn't a traditional kind of politician and wants to basically make some changes and do something, and we kind of follow him on his journey. Um, would be interesting, but it's so farcical and it's so kind of like where you have tiny fighter pilots. It's just it's so wacky where you have the mayor throwing garbage cans at 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 furries. I just like I, you can't. What do you? Where do you go? And then they try to have real moments in there with him and his daughter kind of talking and him trying to be supportive of his daughter. That's another thing. Now I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. <laughs> Okay. But my feeling is Ted Danson, I think, has to be in his 70s if he's a day. He's got to be. So to to have him have a 15-year-old daughter is just a, a bridge too far for me. I mean, it's not 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 the thing it's not medically possible, but why couldn't it have been his granddaughter? Because to me you could have easily written it. I mean, if it was a drama, of course you could kill kill off the uh, the parents, but in, in a comedy, basically his kids basically his kids could be so self-absorbed because they're basically raised rich that they're right. uh, off they're off living their best life and they kind of abandon their daughter and he since he didn't wasn't there for his own child, children to be raised, he's going to be full force with raising his granddaughter that could absolutely work and be compelling story but every time it's like she mentions her dad and we see ted dance in there it is absolutely ridiculous that that's supposed to be his daughter well and you know the thing is too that we don't have the 
the wife or girlfriend or what her mother around to answer to the fact of why she's 15. So it could be that, all right, well, his wife was, uh, you know, like, okay, 45 and she, made and, her like yeah, 40 and she, right. And she had a baby with, but, but again, she was, yeah, Ted Dance would have to just happen to be 30 something years older than her. And so, right. Well, I, they, now they do that's have, believable. Yeah. But they, they actually no, do kind say, of, that's they, believable. Well, there, Holly Hunter makes a, 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 an inference to age where she says at one point her character says, you know, because uh, Ted Danson says, like, you know, we're the same age. And she goes, I'm 10 years younger than you. And she goes, I am labeled as a kook, whereas you are still a sexually viable man. OK, again, here we go with those, those damn layers. You have to peel them away to really get the. They're like roundabout hinting at that type of stuff. And I, I feel like many viewers don't want to sit there with the cognitive dissonance of trying to figure out, all right, he's how old? Okay, but the daughter's this. If, you, if, if his uh, girlfriend or ex-wife or whatever was around and was like in her 40s, it would make total sense. It would be like, okay, typical LA story or whatever. Okay, fine. But you don't have that end. So yeah, just make her the granddaughter, like you said, and exactly. he's trying to be there for her. Absolutely. Yeah, there there are a lot of missing pieces uh, to do that thing. And then, like you said, that very far out. Once you mess up one thing, Mr. Mayor, that we're going back, that's it. It's a wrap for the day. And you need to sit there and figure out how you're going to get yourself out of this one. The PR people need to spin that really well. Because, well, the first, uh, the, the marijuana dispensary, uh, one was fine, but then they went to the um. Yeah, oh, he, okay, he makes that's the other thing. They yeah, went to he the goes school. to the, the school where he they they specifically taco, tell him a meatless Tuesday, meatless Monday, meatless Monday. So like, we don't want to have any kind of bad memes that are going to look bad. So several rules they go over the rules like you know don't dance, don't do a cultural dance. That's another thing. Why do presidents whenever any, if you go anywhere and they ask you to dance, do not dance. Um, and <laughs> don't even clap along because you look stupid. Um, but the, but. Uh, they said, "Don't eat anything." So then he go- he goes about eating pizza in a bold new way. So he takes a pizza slice and he rolls it up like a fruit roll up, and he j- jams the whole thing in his mouth. And the cam and the reporters go wild and take like a zillion pictures of it, and it turns into a meme or whatever. He turns it into a burrito, basically. And yes, I've never I've never seen anybody eat pizza that way. Well, we fold it up in New York. You know, you fold it kind of in half and you eat it like that, especially if it's a New York type of slice. But uh, I will disagree in terms of presidents dancing. Obama, he could dance any day. I'll just say that. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. No, wait. There's a difference between <laughs> there's a difference between when. No, if you're just dancing to dance versus you. Oh, um, I'm here at this Native American ceremony and they're all like, here, uh, uh, take this tambourine and dance along with us to the. Uh, dr-. No, don't ever dance to some kind of native thing or or you go to a, a, a Chinese New Year celebration in Chinatown and they're like, like oh, a, a dance with us to, you know, no, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh. Nope. Here, you're, put you're, on you're, this dragon costume. And- exactly. You're you're gonna look hella stupid. No, you're you're supposed to stand there and look a mayoral, presidential, or whatever, and kind of look on. Speaking of that, this whole thing. Maybe this is just me, cause I'm very sensitive. But okay. the times we have been living through for the past, hmm, let me think, four years. The idea of seeing a businessman who doesn't know what the F they're doing running anything in government 
and being incompetent just doesn't feel right to me. And there's a whole thing that just seems so stupid. And, and I guess it's supposed to be some kind of, I don't know about, you know, government and what, what the difference between to me, this and say uh, a show like parks and rec was the core of parks and rec was the idea that um, the star of the show, whose name is escaping me right now. What is her name? Can't remember. Oh, um, Oh God. Um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I'm trying to think of her name and I can't. Anyway, but, but whatever. Yeah, those fans of the show, you know her name. Anyway, all I can think of is Chris Pratt, but it's not her. I mean, not him. Anyway, so and that wasn't a Freudian slip. But anyway, don't get, don't start Twitter. Don't start. Even even though Star Lord has been revealed to be a, a bisexual recently. But anyway, that's another story. So, um, but her character loved government and she loved helping people at her core. That was important to her. So she had to sometimes maneuver and, and do things to get to get things to happen and to get the kids a new park or whatever, uh, or to get the, the city pool cleaned or whatever. She had to maneuver, but she it was all about the good of what the government can do. And but this is such a farcical thing. At one point there's a character that needs scotch tape and she has to basically go to like five and six different yes. people trying to get some scotch tape to put up some images on her uh, her vision board of what she wants her office to look like and to me it's really especially with what's happening right now with with covid and the fact that people are in government as well as in you know our first responders are working so hard trying to keep our 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 country going to basically make it seem as if they're so incompetent they can't get access to scotch tape Literally, like, not not box cases of scotch tape. This woman has to jump through all kinds of hoops to literally get just a little. What she spends the whole day trying to get the scotch tape is like, you literally could just go get tape from home um, before you would go through all the hoops she jumps through to try and well, get. That's a, what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm sorry. You don't have a, a CVS or something near, nearby that you could walk and get it. So it, it just went through this ridiculous diatribe and, and through this uh, this uh, through the land of chalk drawings to get to all of this. And it just didn't make any good sense. And then it's like, well, we'll trade you this for this. And, uh, and it was all for scotch tape. I was like, really? So you named uh, a day after uh, the, this uh, city manager's or whoever children so that you could get this to give to the person who has a double-sided tape and it was scotch tape and ended up being wig tape come on oh another thing that was so stupid about this whole thing was like one of the things is they they need to uh, uh to this one guy wants his his ex-wife is now with somebody who works for disney so he basically gives the daughters uh, uh the twin daughters amazing gifts every year so this guy wants to basically upstage that by having a uh, a day named after his twin daughter so they that's one of the things they do in an effort to try and get this scotch tape and so what's so ridiculous about it is a any kid what who what kid is going to be impressed by some parchment paper that's been signed by the mayor of los angeles that blank day may 5th is their day who they kids would a kid would not care especially with anything that some disney a mucky muck can do for them they could care less oh i could basically uh, kick it with iron man and black widow or i could basically stare at a piece of paper that says that, that may 5th was my day so a that that whole thing is ridiculous that like any teens would want that and then b the idea that they picked may 5th and so now they're going to piss off the hispanic community so they need to go and try yes, and get them to move cinco may, de mayo uh, 
again, Cinco de Mayo means May 5th. So they're actually going to do this open discussion about moving uh, the May 5th to May 8th, which is just but, so, I guess that's supposed but, but to be the, funny. But, the, but it's, it's supposed to be funny, but then the, the, the outrageousness of it is the fact that this particular council person, whoever they went to, happened to be um, Hispanic because, well, the last name was Hernandez, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she's correctly. supposed to be Hispanic. So that's why she's in charge of being able to move Cinco de Mayo. Right, well, but see, that's that's the funny thing. So it's like she's doing this. You're selling out the holiday for a code to the restroom. Okay. No, it, no so, the whole it, thing is so... The, no, the idea is showing that everybody in government is craven and out for themselves... And, and incompetent uh, and incompetent and so to me when we're living through what we're living through the idea even if you believe that to be the case watching it for entertainment right now with everything we're going through and all the people that have recently you know that we've lost due to covid and 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 i i believe and i think anybody who's thinking the 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 total mishandling of of this pandemic by our current president for now um then i i just trying to watch a show about how funny it is how everybody's incompetent grifter just does not feel like a fun thing to me right now at all at all i mean for some people but i i get where they're coming from in terms of wanting to make this comic relief and taking some current things and peppering them in the story so that it feels current and we're making fun of a current situation to get past it but I'm sorry, it's too raw. We're still in a pandemic. We still have this yet in office. Um, it, it, it's too real and it's too raw. And I think that it, the jokes could have been more cleverly done. And I agree. It's like the bones of something great are there. I mean, the, oh, the, the bones are there. The cast is amazing. You, there's no denying the talent of someone like Ted Danson. There's no denying the actress who plays his daughter is very talented. And uh, and oh, another uh, and of course, um, I just said Holly Hunter, which I'm still bitter that her show here and now that was we reviewed it years ago that was on HBO was canceled. They were she was robbed. That was an incredible character, incredible performance. Holly Hunter, you are absolutely yes. amazing. You deserve to be the lead of a show, not just like you know. Uh, second banana or whatever so a she's robbed but the person who's even more robbed than holly hunter is one rachel dretch she is uh, yes. a bit part she plays the uh, uh i guess the dean the teacher of the, or whatever. Uh, of, of the of the uh elite private school that uh that the mayor's daughter goes to so we get a glimpse of her there why okay tina fey I guess she's a friend because she's keeping uh, uh, Rachel Dretch as far as in her health insurance and stuff. So she keeps giving her like jobs every once in a while, like a couple of, you know, throwing her some crumbs. But I'm sorry, Rachel Dretch is too talented not to be leading, he- headlining a sitcom or be like a, a, a number, a, be a number two. She needs to basically be a co-star or a star of a sitcom. But to have her playing somebody's principal that's basically in five minutes of uh, one or two episodes a season is just not right. If nothing else, why wasn't Rachel Dretch made one of the mayor's assistants or something? I would have gone for that. That should have been Rachel Dretch because, okay, it's, uh, again, Holly Hunter, wonderful. But I think 
not quite. I I could have seen Rachel Dretch in that role. Thank you, because the character the character is so wacky and so weird that they have Holly Hunter playing this character is very broad. I would have. I I think Rachel Dretch would have been able to do a, a, a different things with it than Holly Hunter's doing. Not that Holly Hunter isn't talented. I'm not saying that she isn't she a talented is. comedian as well. But I just feel like this is not the right role for her. I don't know no. what they're what they want. The dynamic between them is weird. Um, so I don't know what they're actually going for. Obviously, these are the first two shows, and sometimes shows take time to develop and to get their rhythm and to figure out what they are. It takes sometimes three or four episodes before they get their groove and like this is what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, the uh, lead for Parks and Rec, Amy Poehler. Thank you, thank you. That was gonna bug me. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> that but her character to me that was a very different vibe. Her character loved government and the power of what it could do and and she always wanted to work in government. This was her life's purpose. And so you can have incompetence and stuff like that, but you the idea that everybody is a grifter or a total incompetent just feels just wrong in to, in today. Today it does not feel like a fun thing to watch. No, no, it it doesn't. It it's <sighs> All right, so I think we're at I the point know. where I have to ask you the question that I love to ask. Mm, All right, Tachi, ask. when it comes to NBC's Mr. Mayor, are you going to keep watching or are you going to change the channel? So I see the potential here. There are definitely some good bones there. I know me. This is not something that I'm going to set an appointment to make sure I watch it. I can see me forgetting that it's even on because it has not compelled me or drawn me in from the beginning. Uh, eh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not, but you, you never know if there's something that happens or they introduce some new twist that may make me, but yeah, let me know. Or, you know, you know what, or, or if you're like walking through your living room and then someone has inadvertently left a bear trap and then your foot gets caught in it. <laughs> and as you're waiting for help, it's on TV and you can't move or choose to reach the remote. So you would, yeah, you might watch another episode of something like that were to happen. Well, that will be right in line with this universe. If that <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just—it's literally so silly and so stupid. But if you ask me the question, then I'll—I'll—I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, 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 uh, speak for. Okay, hold on, let me get myself out of this bear trap. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Kevin. When it comes to Parks and Rec, oop, I didn't say that. I mean, Mr. Mayor, will you keep watching or will you change the channel? Hell, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, what, what makes me sad about it is this could have been a really good show to yeah. me i actually would have liked it if, if they made it a dramedy an hour-long dramedy and actually had ted danson trying to uh, uh raise his granddaughter after his his you know uh child is off having a midlife crisis in Paris who runs off with some you know uh, teen model or something like that and so he's forced to raise his grandchild and he's giving it his all and and he gets into government uh finally because this is his like you know his his third act or whatever that could be interesting and an interesting cast of characters but the character it is so cartoony it is so broad it is so ridiculous ridiculous it, that's why i keep saying it doesn't exist in the, any kind of universe that makes any 
sense. It is. I don't recognize Los Angeles. I am an Angelino, born and bred. The city bears no resemblance to anything that I know. I guess it's it's for people what people think L.A. is like. I don't know. I just feel like it's a waste of Holly Hunter. It's a waste of Ted Danson. It's a definite race. A uh, waste of Rachel Dretch. Uh, Bobby Moynihan. I'm happy he's again. I I I feel like this show it. If this show does not get canceled, it is truly due to the star power of one Ted Danson. Because this show, to me, should not have even... This is one of those things, that, to me, that's so bad. I feel like when they actually did the test audiences, when they saw this pilot that we saw, they should be like, you know what? You need to either go back into development, or we need to just leave this where it's laying at. Because there's that's happened in the past. There was like a David E. Kelly did a version of Wonder Woman in the mid-2000s. And they actually filmed like five or six of them. But we it never saw the light of day. Because they were like, after they watched it, like, this is not working out. <laughs> <at all." laughs> <laughs> so they should have said the exact same the same people who pulled the plug on that should have watched this and been like oh hell no hell no, no you know what? And, uh, I, I, I hate to see a waste of talent like this and so honestly you know when we look at this we have to look at the writers the, you know the writers really carry every because that's the those are the words that the actors speak so they need to really sit down and have a serious talk with these writers and say, look, you all, um, what you're writing is simply not flying. So you've got one more episode to get it together or we could get some new writers. Well, to me, no what's disrespect to the writers. But what's, what's crazy to me is like, wait, okay, every sitcom, uh, I believe dramas do this too, but definitely sitcoms do a thing where they do a table read where everybody in the cast sits around a giant table and they read the episode from start to finish. Mm -hmm. and, and so when mm -hmm. we get to the part where like when someone's saying like, oh, the murder, the murder hornets actually are little South Korean uh, uh, fighter pilots somebody should say like wait a minute what are we what is this happening in this show are we actually saying that this exists in a universe where there are shrunken pilots in LA from North Korea what are we saying what is it what is supposed to be happening in this show also do we live in a world is, is, is this is this universe where the mayor of Los Angeles can flip out and throw a trash can at a person's head in front of the media and he goes on to his next uh, photo op like nothing happened you know what okay look um I think when we talk about writer's rooms, and not that I'm in any serious writer's room, I'm a writer, but I'm in nobody's room. Okay, but when we talk about that, and they're doing the table read, are people really, I don't know, are people really brutally honest about how they feel about that? that well, that's rubbish, that would never happen. Or are they just like, <laughs> everybody's just nervous giggling or, or laughing? Or do they actually think that it's funny and it will fly? Because they all, you know, when you're in a writer's room, you're throwing around those ideas. I put, yeah, that's a great idea. And you think about it, you write it, and then maybe, you, you know, you go through some rewrites and you come up with this finished product, which I'm sorry if this was your finished product, but it came up with the finished product and everybody thought it was cool. So is that the... Is, is it that the one person who's like, this is not cool, doesn't speak up because of groupthink? Or does everybody really seriously think all of this is cool and funny and copacetic? Yeah, I, I honestly, I'm baffled because I can't figure out what were they were thinking as far as in, 
is this such a broad, like a farcical thing? But then they, but then they want to have like earnest moments with him and his child. But just like, but they, but they live in a world where there's like miniaturized pilots. I don't, I don't understand what what they were going for. What is the <laughs> point? And and it's one thing to basically break the rules of reality in your show for a joke that's supposed to be phenomenal. But it was a throwaway, stupid little joke that make that just makes you take the whole show not seriously. It it was I I did not take it seriously at all. Again, um, we don't have to go ad nauseum because I think the audience knows. Yeah, they know we how we feel. But again, you know what? I want to thank NBC so much in uh, yeah. NBC Universe for reaching out and uh, and sharing the show with us. We are very happy to. <laughs> and again, if you are into very farcical, crazy, wacky, nonsensical comedies. And where you get to see a glimpse of uh, the genius that is Rachel Dretch, then this is the show for you. Yeah, absolutely. This is just our opinion and what we feel about these things. This does not by any means speak for the entire universe of people that could possibly watch this show. We don't find it realistic. Oh, yeah. The the last election proved that basically half the country are pretty stupid. So there are people (laughs) out there that might enjoy this show. They might. It might be them. So have at it. If you enjoy it, it comes on. Actually, when does it debut? It debuts on um, the... uh, this Thursday. Yes. Which is, is that the 7th? The 7th. Yes. It, yes. Uh, it uh, so premieres it... on NBC on uh, the 7th of January. And so, yeah. So if you're the kind of person who thinks that uh, Donald Trump didn't lose the last election, you might like this show. Oh, Probably wow. will. You went there. The views expressed by Kevin are not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you share these views. There. You share these views. Okay. You like, like Mavis Staples. You said, "I'll take you there." Anyway. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God! The pop culture's d- dives are super deep. <laughs> I, I mean, super deep. That's what the new year does. It makes you take all these pop cultural references deeper. We're taking stock. Okay, uh, speaking of, of, of uh, taking things to a deeper place, let's get a little bit more somber because the reality is stuff is going down here in Hollywood. This is an industry town, and the industry of showbiz is being affected by COVID in a big way. In fact, uh, almost all the shows that are in production here in L.A. have been put on a hiatus, and the hiatus is being extended. So, Tasha, let's talk about some of the shows that uh, are going to be put on the back burner, at least for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. Uh, before I get into that, I just want to uh, mention that um, SAG-AFTRA, now all, you know, not all actors are SAG uh, are union, but the actors that are working on these union sets are union. And they have these SAG-AFTRA rules that have, and it's not just SAG, SAG-AFTRA, it's also the, uh, the Director's Guild, the Producer's Guild. There were about five different guilds that came together to come up with these COVID rules for what to do on set. So SAG-AFTRA actually told their members, 
uh, last week that, quote, most entertainment productions will remain on hiatus until the second or third week of January, if not later. So this comes just the day after where you are in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health urged the film and TV industry to consider pausing production for a few weeks during this surge. As you know, there's been a huge surge in cases. And so everybody's trying to dial it back and take a, a step back. So um, just wanted to put that out there. And Gabriel Carteris, Carter, excuse me, is the SAG-AFTRA president and David White is the executive director. They wrote this. We're writing to let you know that we are closely monitoring the recent surge in COVID-19 infections, along with the reported lack of intensive care unit beds throughout the state of California and particularly in Los Angeles County. This is deeply concerning to us and we have taken immediate action to connect with our epidemiologists and public health experts regarding the surge in cities across the nation. So they're saying that, again, most productions will remain on hiatus until the second or third week of January, if not later. So I just wanted to put that out there, what SAG-AFTRA is saying. Okay, first of all, this reminds me very much of what Disney was saying when Disneyland and California Adventure closed down, like, oh, we're going to be closed uh, from, like, uh, they closed, like, I think in February, and we'll be closed through March or whatever. I'm thinking, like, what kind of weird arbitrary, How? Do, what's magically going to happen in March that's going to be okay to have a bunch of people riding roller coasters and touching everything? And they the idea know. that magically, that in the second week of January, what's going to magically happen that's going to uh, make it okay to start shooting again, I think is a pipe dream. If they even even get to start shooting anytime in January will be amazing. They don't know. They nobody knows. But what they do know is that they're losing money and they have they're putting a, a hard stop on this so that they can get back to the business of whatever they're doing. My thing is Corona is not playing your game. In fact, it has mutated into something else. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God, that's another thing. Everybody is like acting all shocked that there's now a, a, a bigger, badder version of COVID-19 that's even more contagious and apparently seems to be affecting younger people more so than uh, the original, uh, you know, classic COVID-19. Classic COVID. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but COVID. again, that's what happens when you don't do what you're supposed to do. These things mutate. It's like when you have an infection and you only take what, two days of your antibiotics. Yeah, it morphs into something else to deal with it. So because you're not taking the measures you're supposed to, it has now morphed into something else. Congratulations. So you don't know what's going to happen when. So to put some arbitrary second or third week of January, if not longer, you don't know. So guess what? What you're going to need to do is to figure out how to do production in this new environment that we live in because this is where we are. How are we going to do it? And it can't be like connected. It's got to be something else. It cannot be COVID related. It's got to be something else. So to your, uh, now onto the list of, um, all right. So let's, let's go over some of the shows that are, uh, basically shutting down production for the foreseeable future. If you ask me, but they're claiming (laughs) we're not sure exactly. All right. So Grey's Anatomy over at ABC station 19, also on ABC American housewife, uh, not wives house. I'm so used to the housewives of orange places, American housewife, singular ABC, uh, blackish ABC mixedish ABC, some new show called rebel on ABC. ABC. This is us on NBC, 911 on Fox, as well as 911 Lone Star. 
um, Last Man Standing on Fox, American Crime Story, Impeachment on FX, American Horror Story FX, uh, let's see, uh, Big Shot on Disney Plus, The Orville, which has left Fox and is now moving moved over to Hulu, mm-hmm. and Love Victor on Hulu, and Universal Television, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> um, they. <laughs> They've halted production of that horrible, horrible show. Um, Keenan, they have um, uh, also paused that. Uh, Good Girls over on NBC as well. Never Have I Ever on Netflix has paused production. Uh, Hacks on HBO Max, uh, which is a new show. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has uh, paused, as well as some uh, uh, Warner Brothers television shows, The All-American on the CW, Bob Hart's Abishola, CBS. Are you Um, just going to read all of them? Oh, okay. Well, then, all right. I guess. Well, and the rest. Fine, Taji. And the rest, exactly. I was almost done. Let me just okay. Be positive on CBS. Call me Cat on Fox. Mom on CBS. Shameless on Showtime. You on Netflix. All of them have been put on hold. See, I was almost done. The Professor and Marianne. And the rest, okay? <laughs> no, the professor <laughs> and Marianne. Speaking of that, speaking of COVID, and also we lost Don Wells. We lost Marianne. We did. We did. Marianne, she, for, she was 82. She uh, had COVID, unfortunately. And uh, this is the interesting thing. We also lost in the music world, um, uh, Quinones is his last name, but he was known as Shabadoo, and he was an actor. Oh and, yeah, uh, from oh, oh yeah. my God, from uh, from the Breaking movies, from uh, Breaking from movies, the 80s. yeah, from the eighties, yeah. Now, um, they don't. I I didn't hear, but people were saying that he had COVID-like symptoms. So, and he was only um, uh, sixty-two. Yeah, so I it's, believe. It's, yeah, it's a so it's a huge really it's a huge lot. But the, no, there are people. That's one thing that a people I think that people have in their uh, in their minds when it comes to COVID that it's only going to affect the elderly. Yes, it the majority of people that pass are are elderly, but that does not not mean all. And so there are people from all kind. There are people. There are children that have died of COVID. It's not a joke, people. So mask up. Don't go where you don't need to go. It, it really is not a joke. And it's hitting everywhere. We see it's hitting Hollywood. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing about all of this is it's letting you know that they are human. They are not these ethereal. Remember how um, when we had our good friend to the show, Troy DeVold, come on and he talked about the where the term star came from? Yes. It's interesting because it lets you know that they are not untouchables, that they are human and they could be touched by the things that touch regular society. No amount of money can buy your way out of this. Oh, so, speaking of money, like Ellen DeGeneres' show, they were scheduled to come back and they prolonged their hiatus. But remember, she actually got COVID herself. Yes, yes, absolutely. Same thing with, uh, with in terms of we're talking about reality talk show and that type of stuff, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Um are they planning to return uh, January 11th? But we'll see. Well, anyway, it's interesting the idea. Oh, that's something. If you're a fan of Jeopardy, the very last episodes uh, that were done by Alex Trebek are airing this week. So uh, definitely tune into those. Oh, he'll be missed. Anyway. Oh, a- absolutely. In the, in the form of a question, Tachi, what will he be? He'll be missed. He will be missed. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is he will be missed? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously, though, we'll miss you, Alex. Thank you for all you've done. Aww. Oh, yeah. so let's let's talk about a little bit about some movies that are now movie talk and TV talk are one and the same thanks to thanks to COVID. So let's they talk are. first about what's going on with uh, uh with Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I'm sorry, that's the old school um <laughs> theme song. <laughs> that's all I can <laughs> oh, think can't. about. Yeah, you can't let that theme song go. I can't. I can't. All right. So as we know, the first weekend, and so remember back to the controversy, well, kind of controversy of Wonder Woman 1984 opening on the same days as it did, uh, opening in theaters the same day as it premiered on HBO Max. I actually did an informal poll of this on my social media and asked who saw Wonder Woman 1984, what they thought of it, and whether you watched it in theaters or on HBO Max. Well, overwhelmingly, the people that responded to me said they watched it on HBO Max. No, most people are not ready to go back to that COVID porridge of a th- called theaters. They're not going there. So most people watched it on HBO Max. That first weekend, they netted, I don't know, gross, not netted, but they grossed. 16.7 million. That was a high. That is the 20, the coronavirus high, basically, the pandemic high, because nobody else has. So the fact that th- th- we're talking about in theaters, okay? So that means somebody went to go and see it in theaters, even though pro- the numbers were probably slightly higher on HBO Max, somebody went to go see it in theaters. So weekend two, this is weekend two. The box office has dropped 67% and because there are glitches apparently with HBO Max. I don't have you seen it yet? I have not seen it, but I had heard about the fact that they were having some uh, issues with HBO Max because I guess they they have so many people trying to view the movie at once and apparently uh, the system could not take it. It reminds me reminded me of what happened with uh, Disney Plus when it first launched. Mm-hmm. They apparently were not prepared. Remember they people were unable to log in, things were freezing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't understand why in 2021 or at that time it was 2020, you all are still not prepared for this. And yet, here's the thing that gets me. You all advertise this to millions every single time. Yeah, sign up, get this, get like you're ready, and then you're not ready. Granted, technology can and will fail you, but knowing this, why do you not have extra servers? Why did you not beef up things? That's you. How are you not ready for something that you advertise that possibly millions will watch because of the fact that there's a pandemic? That's poor planning to me. Well, anyway, I was actually shocked by how well it did that people, A, that they managed to trick anybody into going into a movie theater uh, right about now. Um when they could act, when they could watch it for significantly cheaper at home. Uh, but but apparently this model is working. It worked so well that they've already announced that there will be a Wonder Woman three. There will and, be a Wonder Woman three. Yes. And in fact, there's uh, the this kind of model as far as opening on streaming services as well as movie theaters on the exact same day. Disney's going to be doing that. Um, I think is it called Ren or Realm? There's a, a animated film that's coming out uh, in the spring that they're going to release the same way that they did with uh, Mulan, where it'll it'll be available on a premium tier of 
of uh, Disney Plus, where you'll pay an additional fee, which will probably be similar to what it, what Mulan was like twenty nine dollars, and mm-hmm. um, and then you could go see it in theater the exact same day if you want to, and then eventually it'll find its way onto Disney Plus for people that aren't willing to pay and any extra money, which is me. <laughs> and you know that's me for damn sure. So, or any money. So, but this is what I'm looking at in in terms of this thing. I think that this really points to the fact that we are now looking at a new model of consuming. We've already been streaming, but a new model in that this, that, and and I actually talked about this, the uh, the fact that there could be, and there have been some speculation, could there be some sort of deals where, streamers like Netflix and Disney Plus are actually buying exhibition houses or theaters. And then that could be part of your plan. So for example, you have a Netflix plan and part of that plan would include streaming, would include theaters, and you pay one price per month. And that could include all of that. That actually would be a genius idea because I think people are going to always want, uh, people that think that theaters are going to go away completely, I think are wrong. People will always want an excuse to go out. They'll always want some kind of date night kind of kind of thing. So there'll always be a reason to go to a movie theater. People will always want to have that experience from time to time. And if you if you could have that experience combined, uh, you know, once we once COVID is in the rearview mirror, uh, that you could have you could pay a price for say your HBO Max or whatever service, and you would part of that price also gives you the option to see say two films or two things in a movie theater every month. Absolutely, absolutely. And see again, here we go. Uh, not movie phone. Why am I calling it movie phone? Uh, movie. You know what I'm talking about? Where you paid initially like nine ninety nine a month, and you could see like unlimited movies in the theater. I know what you're talking uh, about, but I can't, I can't remember what it was. It was like Redbox kind of pass or something kind of thing. I forget what it was called. Movie pass. That's it. Thank you. Movie pass. So movie pass. They. I don't know why these companies don't see the 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 lights through the forest. That's not even a saying. The forest for the trees. Yeah, the forest through the trees, the lights through the forest, whatever. The uh, one horse Charlie, whatever. I don't know why they don't see this. Movie Pass could have said, you know what? You don't know a pandemic is coming, but they know that streaming is big and this is contentious. Why not have a plan? And I know it's just bigger than doing this because you have to get all these uh, licensing and all I understand. But that should have been your ultimate goal. And they would have been sitting pretty right now and not gone. Yeah, apparently just people could not foresee anything like this, I guess, happening. This is a once in a hundred year event. And so apparently nobody prepared in the business world for this kind of thing, at least in the entertainment world. There, But there the stupid no thing is you don't even need a pandemic for to plan for this. You know that streaming is overtaking and that increasingly people are watching, staying home and watching these things. And people would love to be able to watch these things from home. They, so even if you there was no pandemic, this was coming. This just happened sooner than what everybody wanted and what the industry thought was going to happen. So nobody was prepared. That's their fault. That's your fault, industry. You should have been. Well, it, it is absolutely a bold new world. Now there are like streaming concerts. They're streaming Broadway, uh, uh, Broadway plays and musicals are now streaming, which is 
to me, it's weird that it took so long for this kind of thing to happen. Obviously, they want to keep like uh, Broadway in New York alive and and the theater scene correct uh, 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 in London. But how many people are going to be able? Everybody can't go to New York. Everybody can't uh, afford to go to London. And so, to keep these theaters open, to keep these shows going, why not show have live performances that are available to be streamed? So, my girl Kylie Minogue just had a concert on uh, on New Year's that was a live streaming event. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love these things because I, and not just with, you know, these type the conferences, you know, I go to 10 million conferences when outside is open, but I had to really make decisions about where I was going to go to conferences because there are so many of them that are like kind of media and entertainment that are so close together in the year that I'm, I can't keep paying to go out to Vegas or I can't keep, but now because everybody is, are, they're doing these things virtually. I'm like, wow. I could actually go to CES this year. I could actually do that. You know, it's just, it's making the world smaller. So, you know, they're, they've tried to fight, entertainment has tried to fight this technology for a while because they're always afraid that they're not going to make any money. To the contrary, mon frere, to the contrary. I don't know why you don't see it. Okay, so speaking of uh, other movies on TV, let's talk about uh, what's going on with Pixar's Soul. It was a uh, an original film that was supposed to be, you know, slated to uh, come out in theaters, but Disney Plus just released it, not on a tiered system. It was available on Christmas Day for everyone to view, and it got mostly rave reviews. But apparently some people weren't happy with uh, some parts of the story. So, Tachi, what is the lowdown on the controversy? The lowdown at the showdown? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, obviously, I have not, let me be transparent, I have not seen Soul yet. And I think you know why, Kevin. Oh, yes, because it's on Disney. Oh, you know what? I'm going to give a little warning and shout out to you as well as our listeners that may not have Disney Plus or are only paying for it month to month. Disney Plus plans to uh, change their uh, price. It's going to go up in March, I believe, uh, if not February, but I think it's pretty sure it's March. And so here's the thing. They have a annual rate you can pay like around $77 for a whole year. That to me is a steal of a deal because if you start if you do that now, you can bypass the raised price for at least, you know, one year. So that's what I plan to do. I was paying for it month to month because I wasn't sure if I was going to be keeping it because I wasn't watching a lot. There weren't a lot of things for me, but a lot of there's a lot of new original content coming. A lot of things that were going to be pushed into theaters are going to be premiering on Disney Plus or premiering on Disney Plus at the same time in theaters or shortly after being in theaters. So I thought, you know what? Rather than pay the higher price, I'm going to go ahead and sign up before the price change for the annual membership. So I recommend you and everybody else that likes original programming might want to do that. Mm, Okay. Thank you. I won't, but thank you. I'm just kidding. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Okay, so Kevin, you've seen Soul, correct? Yes, I did. Okay, uh, before I we get into this, what did you think? 
Okay. Um. Well, it's kind of tied to what we're going to talk about. So I'll I'll basically kind of uh, uh sum up a little bit about what I was reading the controversy seeming to be. Some people have a problem with the fact that the this is the very first lead character in a Pixar film that is a character of uh color, uh, and so uh, of, of let alone a black character. So th- this is a big deal. But uh, the in the story of Soul, it's about uh, a jazz musician who is teaching music at a local, uh, I think it's a junior high school, and he accidentally, while on the phone, excited about his big break, that he's going to finally be able to perform with this one of his jazz legends, that uh, uh, icon that he uh, loves. He's got a break where he's going to actually be performing with her, and he falls down a manhole. And he doesn't die. He's like in a coma. And so uh, he goes basically to uh, the afterlife and he's on some kind of like escalator up to the this white light. And he's like, no, I can't. I can't die now. This is my big break. And so he ends up falling into this like the before where where souls uh, that are waiting to be born, where they develop their personality. So it, it's it's it, it was a really interesting imagining of what what that what that might look like if you were going to have some kind of, you know, a before, uh, not afterlife, the before life, which was really kind of clever. So, so apparently some people are upset about the fact that this is the very first character uh, uh, that happens to be of uh, African-American descent. That's a lead character in a Pixar film. And then he spends a, a chunk of the film outside of his body. And, and when he is in the before place, all souls are kind of a pinkish, greenish hue. They look almost kind of like a ghost or a kind of a, a ghost and a Smurf had a baby. That's what they kind of look like. And so um, people have a problem with that. And then there's also people saying that they felt like th- this character wasn't really in touch with his black or that that Pixar wasn't in, in in wasn't interested in focusing on this character as a black man and trying to have something that's just universal uh, uh, being told. So for me, I thought that this was a masterpiece. What this movie was saying about life and our reasons for living and our drives and our passions. I thought it was brilliant. And the way they visualized so many of these abstract thoughts was like genius, absolute genius. And so now there is a fair point to make about this kind of thing happening in the past, because most famously in The Princess and the Frog, the very first Mm -hmm. black Disney princess, the first and only as of now. Thank you. Can we have us? Can we have another one? Thank you, Disney. Yeah, we we. No offense to Princess and the Frog, but let let's let's go for maybe double. You know, not double digits, but let's go for two before you just like. Oh, we got we got a black princess. Okay, yeah. We once you had one white one, did you stop? But anyway, that's another story. So, no. so the idea is that the character was a black character, but most of the movie she spent uh, as a frog. So you didn't have to look at her brown skin. And so some people were basically accusing uh, Pixar of doing the same thing with this particular story. Um, but there have been other stories that weren't were, were I, I think about the story Brave, but that wasn't the lead character. But for me, comes for me, where characters have been in animation where people get turned into things. That's a trope that happens a lot. But this was a particular story about about the afterlife and so i guess you could have had the afterlife where he looks exactly the same as he does in regular life but the whole idea is in the before 
uh, and in the after that there's not really we're all human beings and we all there there are soul of a of a person of color and the soul of any other race person or or they all look the same and the and the pre souls don't even have genders so they they just look they all kind of look this they all kind of have this kind of a uh, same look was what what the point was that we're all humans all spirits are the same just like all blood is red all spirits are that same kind of bluish green is what the was the thinking what well, yeah and 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 I could see because I mean I haven't seen it yet and and I've heard from both ends uh some people that said it was really beautiful and the fact that you know what you just said in terms of there being no identifying physical factors that shows that we're all the same when it comes down to the core or to the soul that everybody is the same but you know we live in a world where everybody is not physically the same right we live in a world where you're told that if you are this way you're somehow less than and so for the first and i can see this point for that first character character from pixar that happens to be black to be spent most of the movie as a blue blob it really says well wow where do we fit in this if we fit at all are we only good as long as we're not seen is it okay if they see us the first five seconds and then after our, our audience is more comfortable with that and i'm not saying that this was a necessarily a deliberate choice i'm sure there are some people that think that it was deliberately done I can contend to you that it probably was not deliberately deliberately done, but these people, as usual, don't think about how what effect it has. It's only after people who study it, people who see it without, you know, and I don't mean study in a uh, academic way, but study this and then see, okay, why is he only black for like a few? Why, you know? So um, I, I think there's that we're the ones that always have to bring up to them okay you know this doesn't really it doesn't really count as you having a first uh black lead in your pixar because this black lead wasn't shown so is this what we're relegated to it's okay as long as you're not shown as long as you become some fictional character as long as you're turned into something i think it sends a really powerful message and though maybe that's not what they intended to send and i'm sure if you talked oh no we didn't intend but you didn't think and this is the problem we always have to think for you and tell you after the fact what you did so and that doesn't make it any less of a beautiful story it just means that you need to who who was in these writers room and i don't want to hear oh well the person behind it i think who who the uh one of the creators was black if i'm not mistaken well also one I, black I wonder, person I, does not to... speak for all of us go ahead well, I'd also like to hear about. I haven't heard anything about with, with this controversy from Jamie Foxx and how he felt about it because with an oh animated yeah, you're film, not going to. <laughs> well, with an animated film, you have to sign up very, very early. I mean, right. the, they do the voice uh, stuff ages before it's animated, and so I wonder how he felt. I, I, I only I would say because one of the there's a couple of other things people had issues with. They felt like there was kind of a. I've heard that they that there was a white savior thing that people were feeling yes. because yes. The, some of the breakthroughs that or they some people said all of the breakthroughs that he has are due to basically Tina Fey's character which I don't think is the case because there is a very pivotal scene with uh Jamie Foxx's character's mother and 
a Tina Fey's uh spirit is in his body, and and Jamie Foxx's body is a uh, spirit is in a cat, and so he can she can hear him, and he's telling him she's he's telling her what to say to his mother, and so the 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 camera stops stops us, it, it pans around something, and we basically just see Jamie Foxx speaking directly to his mother through Tina Fey, and it was. It was his moment with his mother. It wasn't Tina Fey's moment with the uh, with the mother. Uh, it was his moment with his mother, and so I don't think that that was a, a fair complaint. If you were paying attention, he is speaking to his mother through her, and that is absolutely his moment. I think that this is the the animation style, and these are some of the most beautifully rendered black characters I've ever seen. I feel like they were very fully, deeply realized, and the idea that you can't tell an uh, uh, a universal story through the prism of a black person and their experience is so unfair. Because one of the complaints is just like, oh, this is just telling a story about everyone. And so like every time, that, so if anything's a universal story of what it is to be a person, that has to just be a white person. Because then you, you can just you can tell a story about just what it means to be human only through the guise of white people. Because uh, if you do it about any other race, you have to talk about their that that struggle of that race. This is his story. Now, the only thing I could say that you could maybe give a nod to the reality, the difference between being a black person and say anyone else is when Tina Fey is in his body and he is, uh, you know, and uh, walking around in a black man's body, how the police, they might, might have had an interaction where he was viewed to be threatening and we know he's not threatening or the police view him as a threat. There could have been a moment like that, but the story was basically about passion and the idea that this character his whole life has been driven by this passion, this one pursuit. And what does that what 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 does that cost you when you think that the purpose what, what life is about is living and pursuing this passion? Is life about more? And so there's this character, there's this barber character where we uh, ha- who happens to be African American and we learn that he wanted to be a veterinarian that was his passion that was his dream but then circumstances took him in another direction and it's a very powerful thing so there are many characters in this story that happen to be African American as well as as well as uh the jazz legend as well as his mother who was very ex- I love the performance I love the character of his mother was there was so much love and she has her own business and um I don't. I. am stunned that people have a problem with the story. Now, can there be more stories uh, told by Pixar uh, that have lead characters that are of color that stay in that form in their body from start to finish? Absolutely. But I don't see how anyone can see this story and not see the beauty in it and what it says about life and what it says about humanity. I don't understand how uh- they couldn't see that. Well, okay, so so I'll say that again. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak on it from a, a point of view of someone who has who has seen it. But that tells you the fact that there's a problem tells you that there are not enough stories with black people as leads that tell a multiplicity of different stories. The fact that this is the first one that Pixar has, that means there are no others. So there's a tall order for Pixar when you do that. Now. Like you said, they may do other stories. You you don't know, but this is all that, you know, we have. So in a way, it kind of need it can't be everything to all people, but in a way it needs to be because you've taken this on and it's a very tall order. So the thing is with other groups, 
but now I'm not even going to say with other groups, with non-melanated uh, Pixar people, Pixar films, etc. They have a multiplicity of stories, so they can be separated from their bodies because they also have films and and uh, animated series where they stay in their bodies the entire time. So this is not a problem for them. When you have only one. This is a huge problem, and I think that's where the criticism comes from. But a lot of the, you know, there, some of the black critics still say they acknowledge the problems that Soul has, but they still celebrate the rest of the film. They still celebrate the music. They still celebrate the rest of, you know, the rest of it. So this is not to say that every black critic has a problem with that film. That's not true. You're a black critic, and you don't have a problem necessarily with this film. But it does say that when this is the only example of what we have, it's a, it, ha it has a lot to prove and a lot to put in there that it simply can't do. It's your setup for, for failure from the beginning. So my thing is also then uh, we also need to look at ways that we can create our own <laughs> animated films and films where we are playing these roles. And they, yeah, they exist, but not to the Disney level. So that's well, okay. what we need. But uh, but the idea, but also that some of the complaints are that that Pixar wasn't uh, uh, interested in telling the story of his blackness. But I don't understand what was I don't understand what they wanted though. What did they want to be included in the story that was supposed to be making him blacker or showing more of his blackness? Um, this was a story about one man's life and the, his choices in that life and the price that the, those choices have, uh, you know, what they've cost him. I don't see what, I don't understand what they wanted. How, what was he supposed to be wearing a daishiki and saying no, black cow? I, I, I don't what either. What they want? I don't, I don't what know they what they wanted. wanted either. I don't know either, but I do know going back to my original point, when this is all you have, you expect a lot from the film because we don't have anything else. This is the first time, and, and Pixar has been around for uh, for donkey's years. This is the first time that they have even had a lead black character in any damn thing that they have done. So, you know, we don't, of course, we're going to expect a lot from it. And then when it doesn't deliver everything, and it obviously, you know, from what you were saying and everybody else was saying, beautifully done, but there are some things that are missing. And if you are going to use, uh, you know, the start with a cultural standpoint, there needs to be some other things in there definitely to be a whole film, but that's impossible. It will be like seven hours long. So, but I see where they're coming from, but they're coming from that point, that standpoint, because we only have one example where we are leads. And in that one example, we're separated from our bodies. So I don't know what they want. I, I don't know what they want. I don't even know if what they want, these critics want is realistic, but I do know that there is no other example. And so they have to go after it. Well, I don't like the idea that absolutely there are stories. It's the same thing with someone who's disabled. Um, normally, when you have a story about someone who's disabled, the story is about them being disabled or becoming disabled or triumphing past their disability. It just can't be a story about like a, a you can't have a story about a woman who happens to be a district attorney who just happens to be in a wheelchair and she's trying her biggest case and 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 she doesn't know that the real killer is the mayor. That we can't have, no. It would only be the story has to be if 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 she's in in a wheelchair the story has to be about her being in a wheelchair and so the same thing with the idea of a, a story like soul you can't have a story about just a person living their life and having an existential crisis 
without it being about their ethnicity or their disability can they be a can't you be a black man who basically has uh uh has made some decisions that uh you're pursuing your passion has cost you relationships does it have to be something about you quote unquote being black or can it just be a story what i liked about the uh, the story is you could absolutely have made the character white and had them be a country musician who was working as a, a working in a school as a music teacher and always dreamed of performing at the Grand Old Opry. And then his big break is he's going to perform with Dolly Parton. And on the way, he gets uh, uh, hit by a bus or something, and he's in a coma, and he's going to the great beyond. The exact same story. It could be somebody who's going to, uh, wanted to be a ballerina. It could be anybody's story. It just happens to be seen through the prism of this one black man's life. And, and I agree. I, I agree. I agree. Yes. Yes, it could be. The, the The good thing about it is that it could be interchangeable, that the human experience is that there's it, it, going after the one big thing that you want the most, something fouls it up. Yeah, that that could be. But that works when you have other choices in terms of story. And that's not what we have. I, I think that's where they're coming from. I, I think I think it's great. But then there needs to be others. I, I think, okay, so oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll end it with this. So that it, it's great, but there needs to be others. I think, you know, you're always going to have critics or people that say something. But I think there will be less buzz if there was more representation for black people in, in this industry in terms of the multiplicity of what who we are and what we could do. Then, yeah, no, because then you've shown us that we're included and it doesn't have to be about race. We didn't make it about race. Let's not forget that. We didn't make it about race. From the very beginning, people just wanted to be included. It was Hollywood that relegated black people to certain things and then you work your, like you're behind off to do, uh, to, uh, you know, put yourself out of these certain things and so again, you could also say, I guess the thing could be, well, does he have to be a musician? Because we're always relegated to things like sports and, and entertainment, etc. Could it have been something else? Yeah, it could have been something else. But see, those are the questions you start to ask when you don't have enough representation and you don't see enough diversity in the images that represent you. You know, so I think oh, absolutely, that's where it's and and, from. and you're right, and people behind the scenes as well, the uh, the people that are working at Pixar. How many faces of color are you seeing that are that that in the power to make decisions and to green light uh, greenlit stories? Uh, and how many people are that are running those stories happen to be people of color? So you're absolutely right. I definitely want more. I, I think you can ask for more without you know uh kicking this movie I, i'm telling you right now it has an absolute lock on the animated oscar it, it is the it is the best picture it was it will it will win and it'll deservedly so uh a deserved win it, it, this is a masterpiece mm. okay it is, well it then is a beautiful film when you give me your password i will be happy to watch <laughs> on that note I think it's time for us to say goodbye, Taji. So before we go, let me ask you, how can people listen to our podcast other than how they're listening right now? Oh, wow. You asked a, a really great question. Well, we are on a multitude of different places. You can watch us. No, not watch. Listen to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, WJMSradio.com. You can listen to us live on Tuesdays and Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern, which is drive time, 3 p.m. Uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, or 
Can't remember any of that? Just go to tvchanneling.com and all of our past and current episodes are up under episodes. And we would really love it if you took the time to subscribe on any platform that you're listening to and then leave a great review for us because we really do appreciate you listening. Aw, we do. Oh, see, this is some new uh, 2021 fangled stuff because he didn't insult you all. Okay. <laughs> I'm just so happy to have survived 2020, Tachi. I'm, st- I'm still bathing you. in the afterglow of not being dead. Listen, <laughs> the fact that we can come and do a first of the uh, first show of the new year is just a miraculous in itself. So absolutely. So, Kevin, speaking of miraculous, this has nothing to do with miracles, but tell people if they wanted to, you know, chew the fat with us about soul. They had a different take altogether or any of the stories that we mentioned here or you'd have just a suggestion for us. How could they reach us on social? Oh, you know what? Social media is a miracle, Tachi. So yeah, they can right. reach they can reach out from across the globe and interact with us at any time. So the future is now. And so you can go to Facebook. You can go to Instagram and my personal favorite Twitter. We are TV channeling everywhere. And like Tachi said, we would love to hear from you. So if there's a show you'd like us to review, if there's an episode of a show that's already around uh, that you'd like us to do a recap of, or if there's something going on in pop culture you want to get our take on, then let us know. We would absolutely love to hear from you. We sure would. And right now, we're sure you're tired of hearing from us. So we're going to let you go back to doing what it is you were doing before you started listening to us. Once again, we appreciate you. Thank you. Welcome to 2021. Look for more great stuff from us. Oh, you know what? Before we go, what are you doing, Kevin? What's up with you in 2021? What else are you doing? Well, I am uh, I am still here on TV channeling, and I love it very, very much. And I have another podcast called Last Weekly, where we go in on pop culture every week. We we recap the week. We also go into uh, we review movie trailers. We have tons of fun. And Tachi is you know she's not a regular, but we're still trying to wrangle her in. But she's on the show a lot. So, Tachi, what have you got going? Start the list now. Ah, be quiet. Here we go. So, I actually, in addition to being the co-twin on the co-TV twin on TV channeling, I am also the creator and host of Mediascope, which is a show that talks all about media tech and pop culture news every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I also do a pre-show on Instagram, which is uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern. Got some uh, really cool stuff coming up for the new year. And yeah, so so that's me. All right. Well, I guess it's time for us to say goodbye. Okay. Well, thank you for being here and goodbye. <laughs> and goodbye from I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I was trying to throw you off. Okay. Bye from Tachi. (laughs) And and again, still goodbye from Kevin. And remember, if you're watching it, no matter what color you are, whatever whatever shade of bluish green you are, (laughs) we'll be talking about it. Cheers. Bye.